Blog Talk Radio. <clears throat> Saturday morning. I'm Tom Mark with Cell Presidente. You know what that means. You are on the balance and we are live and ready to go. And it's going to be a great show today because we are officially bringing back to the show college football. And in, standing by in the balance green room is Adam Jividen, super Browns fan, super Ohio State Buckeyes fan, and brings the energy when it comes to uh, college football. Uh, Rick's not joining us today to talk Notre Dame, but that's okay. We can, we can, uh, we can, we can talk without him. That's for sure. He's playing golf. How rude! How rude! We're going to be talking about some college football. Uh, the preseason rankings are out. That means it's back, right? That means we get to start talking about it, debating. Hey, we should be here. We should be there. You know, it's it, that's where the chaos started this week. So excited to talk some college football again. Also, uh, Tony Donahue for the Tony D Podcast will be joining us, talking some racing, IndyCar, NASCAR. Steve was unable to join us today as well. Ed Kratz will be back with us today, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, breaking down the Philadelphia Eagles uh, training camp and across the NFL. And, yeah, not to, not to dismiss my Colts, who play this afternoon, and I will, I will be all over that. Not quite, re- not quite ready to bring out the jerseys, but hey, preseason football, yay, nay, say what you want. What it means is I get to watch football again. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. 
got me! It's called Beauty Sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, hey. Seen on the board, do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, um, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le Piquet, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish, in the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what, actually, I'm, I'm just gonna order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. just like it black. That's what I like. Just strong and black. Remember the remember the show the airplane. I like my coffee strong and black. Just like my just like my women. <laughs> classic classic uh quote. Uh so there there you go. Black Rifle Coffee, blackriflecoffee.com. Check it out. And and not only that, they got coffee. They've got T shirts which I just got my new spy pigeon t shirt and I we posted it up on social media and 
uh, add, I, I think I'm going to be changing my uh, fantasy names to Spy Pigeon. Did I, did I send you a, a copy of that, a picture of that shirt? Yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> it's great, man. It's great. So that's, I think it's going to, at least on the balance fantasy, I'm going to change it to the Spy Pigeons. Well, let's get right into this. Uh, Adam, uh, like I said, you're super-duper uh, Ohio State fan, and we're going to get into all the rankings, and obviously we know Ohio State's in the mix there, uh, and uh, Notre Dame came out in fifth. But let's just start with you as a fan, Ohio State football. What are your thoughts? What are your expectations? What do you got marked and circled on the calendar? Uh, what's a success? What's not a success? Uh, give me a, a minute or two and just break down Ohio State football 2022. Yeah, I, I mean, if you say what is <clears throat> the game that most college football fans have marked on the calendar? It's the biggest non-conference game of the season to kick off the year. Um, on the third, you're, we got a night game against Notre Dame. I mean, I don't think it gets any better than that at all. Uh, I, I know that uh, Ohio State fans are 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 looking forward to this game. Um, new Notre Dame head coach Marcus Freeman is a former Ohio State linebacker who has been kind of running his mouth, uh, talking some smack about his alma mater, and 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 a lot of fans are really hoping that the new defense led by Jim Knowles, uh, the defensive coordinator that came from Oklahoma State. Uh, kind of shut them up a little bit. So, you know, we'll see. You asked what what are we looking for? Obviously, you know, we've got the big game against Notre Dame. Ohio State admittedly has one of the toughest schedules in all of college football. But despite that, um, I really feel like anything but a visit to the playoff again is a failure for this Ohio State roster. Um, they're, you know, they're led by C.J. Stroud, who many people have kind of pegged as the um, upcoming number one pick in next year's draft, you know, barring injury. Um, they're led by Jackson Smith and Ajigba, who, you know, uh, following the uh, – the, 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 Yeah, I'm going to pause bowl. you right there, Adam. I'm going to pause you right yeah. there, Adam. The fact that you could actually say that name without pausing or hesitating, man, you are my hero. Go ahead. Reconvene, <laughs> sir. So, uh, so, so Jackson Smith and Jigby, you know, all he did in the Rose Bowl when Olave and Garrett Wilson sat, who became, you know, back-to-back first-round picks last year, was set the all-time receiving record for any bowl in college football history um, with over 300 yards receiving in one game. Um, and then, you know, for Indianapolis Colts fans, our number two receiver is a name that many will remember, Marvin Harrison Jr., who, uh, if you go, oh, so he's small and skinny like his dad, you go, no, he's not. Yeah. He's 6'3", like 2'10". He's a big he boy, like yeah. He he's a big boy as a receiver. He looks like he was chiseled out of granite. Like, he looks like, like a statue <laughs> of Adonis. Uh, but, Get you yourself know, a little man crush there, do you, Adam? Marvin Harrison, you want the highlight reels of that kid. He's a hey, man, I'm a Marvin Harrison but, guy. Uh, I, I like his dad, so I'm looking forward to watching him both in college. and Well, he'll be here at the Colts. No, who knows? But, you, <laughs> you know, he's, 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 def, he's definitely going to be he's gonna be one of the elite players. I, I, I'm i a big fan of his dad, so by association, I'm going to be watching him. But go ahead, sir. Yep. Finish up. Yeah. 
Yeah, and then, you know, they got Trayvon Henderson on offense, who was the best running back, um, best freshman running back in all of college football. Many people consider him and B. John Robinson from Texas the best two running backs on college football. So if you go, okay, so they're stacked on the offensive side of the ball with arguably the best quarterback, arguably the best receiver, and arguably the best running back, what's left? And you go, well, it's the defense. This is what's let us down in the last two years, which is why they brought in Jim Knowles from Oklahoma State to fix the defense. And from everything that we're hearing, it looks good, but we won't know, frankly, until they get on the field against Notre Dame at night in the horseshoe, and that place is going to be just awesome. Even if you're not a fan of Ohio State and Notre Dame, watch that game. It's, it's oh, yeah. that's, that's, that's the kind of game that people remember. So, yeah, yeah I mean, I, I would say a playoff. And you, and you won't have any excuse I, I, not to watch it. Because it'll it'll be easily yeah, available to watch. Absolutely, and, and and I like I said, I kind of expect I I if I'm being honest, I expect Ohio State to have at most one loss. Um, with that tough schedule, it's conceivable, but I expect them to make the playoff. And if they can get the defense right, like we're talking a top twenty-five defense, this team, by all intents and purposes, has everything it takes to win the national title. Um, and we the first national title for Ryan Day and the first for the Big Ten since, well, we won it last time with Urban Meyer. So that's, that's my expectations for Ohio State. We'll see what happens. Uh, certainly I know they're going to be in the mix. And uh, every year you got to talk about Ohio State being in the mix and being in the playoffs and, and, and having a national championship. So we'll certainly uh, will be doing that. Uh, so uh, we're going to just thought we go through the, the uh, coaches' poll. Uh, you know, maybe some teams are overrated, maybe they're not, but that's that's why it's just uh, it's a poll, but it gives us a, a conversation uh, uh, drop drop off point uh, for the show and so forth. So we'll start, and we're going to go through these kind of from from top to bottom. But the the USC Trojans, the Utah Utes, Oklahoma Sooners, Texas A and M Aggies, Michigan Wolverines, Notre Dame Fighting Irish, Clemson Tigers, Georgia Bulldogs, your Ohio State Buckeyes, and, and Alabama. Of course, the Crimson Tide, they're, again, in the in the number one slot. So let's just start over uh, on the West Coast. And one of the biggest questions you got to ask, it, 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 probably we, well, you won't see uh, any uh, impact of the Big Ten going coast to coast this year, but there is the possibility of having an extra. So one of the teams I, that I immediately put my eyes to when we heard this news about the Big Ten basically going global, uh, well, coastal anyway, uh, you know, what college football is better prepared for a better new era of sport than the UFC? I mean, all of those, for all those people, Adam, crying about the recent changes being the end of college football as we know it. Yeah, probably. Uh, but uh, you want the closest thing to what you're going to get in professional uh, college football team? Here you go. And it, it, it's, I think it's going to be okay, Adam. Everything's going to be all right. Uh, I mean, I, yes, we've got the transfer portals and social media and all of that and Tuscaloosa and Columbus are great. I mean, yes, uh, this is places, you know. But hey, this is Southern California. This is this is L.A. This is the city, the media market. This program, it's USC, and it's pounced on the moment to go from depressing and dreary to a showtime in the blip. What are your thoughts about USC Trojans? Are they overrated at number ten? Or are they right where they need to be, or should they be a little bit higher? Certainly, don't think they should be a little bit higher just because of what has happened in the recent years. I kind of think they're overrated. They shouldn't be in the top ten. Adam, what say you? 
I think this is built strictly on potential talent. Caleb Williams, their quarterback, is a beast. I, I'm not a fan of him personally. I think he's a jerk, um, but he's a good quarterback. <laughs> and, and really, the biggest thing, that, uh, the under the radar that really just nobody's talked about and it's kind of weird, um, is the fact that they got Jordan Addison, who won the Blitnikoff last year from Pitt. So he's coming in as a, as a, as a set number one receiver. My question is really on the opposite side of the ball. You know, they they when they um, went and got there and raided the Oklahoma coaching staff, they took you know their coach Lincoln Riley brought his defensive coordinator with yeah. him, and that said defensive coordinator used to be at Ohio State. I wasn't happy with him when he was at Ohio State. He sucked at Oklahoma, so I just kind of expect him to suck at USC. Do I think <laughs> so? Ten is the right spot. I kind of do just because of the potential on offense. Um, they will they will probably out – It'll. It, frankly, they'll play like they did in the Big 12. They'll just try to outscore everybody, and then they'll lose to a team like Utah, who's disciplined, doesn't turn it over, and won't let you beat them like with cheap plays. So I feel like 10 is an okay landing spot, but they could easily – really go either direction. I see USC as one of the more kind of volatile picks. They could swing all the mm. way up to the top four and be in the, in, the, in the mix for the college football playoff, or they could have three or four losses and be like 23rd or out of the top 25 entirely. They are mm. a giant question mark, but on talent alone, 10 is an okay landing spot. Well, you got to look at the coaching, the money, the opportunities, the schedule. You know, that's not the SEC West, but uh, – but, you know, Riley, uh, we'll see what Riley can do. I mean, say what you want about Riley in Oklahoma. Oklahoma was there in, in, in the Big 12 a lot of times and in big games. I think, I mean, I, I think they're overrated. Don't get me wrong. I think USC's going to be good this year. Uh, and, and, and honestly, maybe USC makes college football kind of fun to watch again. Maybe we, maybe we do get to see some of the old – uh, rivalries come back together and get the band back together. We'll see what happens. See what happens. All right, Adams, let's talk about the Utes. What's a Ute? <laughs> You've never watched that movie. Uh, you, don't it, get the, you don't get. You don't get it. <laughs> but Utah. Yeah, I, I, uh, I let's guess talk. Ute is about the same as a Hoosier. Like no one actually really knows. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I, you know I, I, the story that I subscribe to with the Hoosiers here, which is my team. Uh, Hoosiers. Uh, where Indiana, which hence the name, was Indian land in, in the early days when they were settling the days. And they had to make sure that people coming on their property was somebody that could speak their, their language, and they were a friend and, and not an Indian. And if they heard something scrambling around, they'd yell out, because the, they didn't have porch lights and stuff, so they yell out, who's there? And then the person would answer in English, and they know, okay, well, this is a safe person approaching. If they didn't get that, they would assume that it was an Indian. Now that's the that's the story that I subscribe. To. That's the story I be wrong. To. So maybe that makes two of us, which means I guess that that's it. That's the reason. <laughs> it's got to be it, man. Two like minds, two like minds. But oh, so like UCLA and USA, USC are leaving the Pac-12 for the Big Ten, and they're taking their uh, their grand total of one Pac-12 conference championship over the last uh, 13 seasons with them, Oregon and Utah. Those are the two players in the Pac-12 over the last four seasons and have had the time to, to make this happen. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm on the fence with Utah. I kind of think they're right where they need to be at, at number nine. I'm, I'm totally okay 
they did some pivoting. We'll see how all of this shaking and baking uh, in political drama in college football shapes out uh, Utah. But, you know, the Utes continue to put together, you know, great lines, great defenses, and great running backs year after year under under uh, Kyle yeah. Winningham. Yeah, so. I, I mean, they just came off the Rose Bowl. They just came off the Rose Bowl berth against us and really played, I mean, well enough to win the game. We just essentially Ohio State beat them because they had the superior quarterback and wide receiver. <laughs> like, that was really what it came down to. Um but no, I I think I think Utah is solid where they are. I think it's also a good spot for them to be able to climb, assuming they don't have any bad bosses, and potentially be another contender for the top four. Um, there's a few of these teams in the top ten that I go, there's no chance they're going to be in the top four, um, including one of the teams coming up that you know is north of Ohio. Um, but you almost said it. You almost said it. Good. Yeah, I feel I feel like that spot's a good spot for Utah personally. Well, sooner or later, we were going to have to talk about the other Oklahoma team. Let's see what I did there. <laughs> I cracked myself up. This is Black Rifle Cough, man. It, it 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 gets to me. Let's talk about the Oklahoma Sooners. Uh, what are, what are your thoughts about them? Uh, I said I said number eight. Okay, I think I yeah, think they're, they're number eight. They're a team that, yeah, they are. They are. And if you want to talk a team that's overrated, I feel like Oklahoma's overrated because they got their entire roster rated by USC, and then they lost their head coach. They lost pretty much their entire staff. Everybody's just assuming Brett Venables is going to be this, like, absolute stud of head coach. And I kind of got to see it. Like, I, they did get some transfers themselves to replace guys they lost, but – I, I'm not comfortable putting Oklahoma there. I'm seeing people put Oklahoma all the way up in the playoffs, and I'm like, oh, I don't know how you guys think that's going to happen unless they just beat up on a really bad Big 12. But, that, yeah. I mean, yeah, I, I would say Oklahoma's overrated personally. Yeah, you might be right. I, I still think they're worthy of a, of a, of a uh, top 10 scene. Uh, 10, 10 scene. Um, Venables, I think, is going to be a good coach. I mean, and he said the defense is going to be very amazing very, very, very soon. And well, that, that'll carry your team a long way. Uh, and, and, you know, that's what makes Alabama, will, Georgia, and LSU great. <laughs> we got to see it because, like, Brent Venables, everybody forgets, like, Brent Venables was the defensive coordinator at Oklahoma and got run out of town. And then he went with Dabo <laughs> in Clemson and, you know, all of a sudden, him and Dabo start turning her around at about the same time, but they did it on the backs of, like, generational quarterbacks, you know, and Watson and Trevor Lawrence. And I just I just got to see it from Venables. These people that are just giving it to him and being like, oh, yeah, he's going to be great. I, I just – I got to see it. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I thought you were saying something else. <laughs> I'm multitasking here. <laughs> So let's, you know, a, a team that I like to watch and we talked about a lot last year and has, has uh, landed in our number seven slot, and that's the Texas A&M Aggies. And uh, Texas A&M is, is, is tough. I like them. Uh, you know, uh, you, you got to be crazy patient 
uh, and frustrated fans in college football, but try Texas A&M's base. They've been taunted, big, shiny, awesome-looking presents under the, the tree for decades, and they haven't been allowed to unwrap them. I think this is the year, Adam, that they get to unwrap those shiny presents underneath the, tr- the, uh, the tree. Everyone throws out uh, Texas as a program that has done the least and uh, with the most over the last several years. Uh, but it has a national championship and another title appearance in the BCS and CFP. It's more like Texas had everything at its disposal, including being the Big 12 and not the SEC, yet somehow screwed it all up again. So let's see what happens. Texas A&M will actually be able to unwrap some of those presents this year. What are your thoughts? Uh, rated right where they need to be or overrated or underrated at number seven? You know, Texas A&M is a tough case because of they they do have one of those games every year where they just like lose it and you just like how do you lose to Arkansas or something like that where <laughs> like they just always seem to have one of those. Um, but you know it it's it I do think Texas A&M is the best chance in the SEC to take down Alabama, and that includes Georgia. Because I think Georgia rode a historically good defense last year, and everybody acts like their quarterback, Stetson Bennett, was like some absolute beast. And he stepped up in the title game and played well, but there were large chunks of the season where that dude played like the walk-on he was. So, I mean, I think Texas A&M is the best shot, but... Jimbo Fisher, I mean, outside of that year that he won the title at Florida State uh, with Jameis Winston, you go like, what have you done while being the second highest paid coach over that period? And I don't know. Like, I, he's got to start bringing it. Otherwise, I could see Texas A&M boosters who have deep, deep pockets start to get a little antsy. And maybe, and maybe Jimbo Fisher is one of those guys that for greener pastures who knows but I tend to think Texas A&M almost took out Alabama last year I think this is the year they do it I think I I personally see one of the biggest surprises that Texas A&M is going to win the SEC West this year well I want to know before the show today did you take your preparation H um, Adam (laughs) why is that good very talking we're getting ready to talk about two of your favorite hemorrhoids. <laughs> oh, I, I, I rehearsed that, and it didn't quite come out as I thought it was, but oh well. Uh, <laughs> let's talk about your team up north. We'll call them the Michigan Wolverines. It was the right thing to say if you're a, if you're Jim Harbaugh and had a wonderful breakthrough season and just hit a brick wall against the eventual national champion. Jim Harbaugh is back, Michigan Wolverines. Uh, beating Ohio State, winning the Big Ten Championship, going to the college football playoffs. That's all supposed to be expected at Michigan for a long time that seemed just out of reach. Does that happen this year, sir? No chance. Zero. Not a chance. <laughs> all they've done all year is run their mouth. Everybody seems to forget that Jim Harbaugh doesn't even want to be there. During National Signing Day, he was actually mm. at a job interview with the Minnesota Vikings. I heard Vikings. that, yeah. He did not want to be there. They lost their offensive coordinator to Miami. 
Their quarterbacks are, eh, but all they're doing is just talking smack, not just about Ohio State, but about the rest of the conference. And then you lost Aiden Hutchinson, you lost David Ojabo, both of your guys, your defensive ends that were able to attack from the edge. They also were one of those teams that took advantage of the major uh, the roster allowances because of the COVID year. So they were like one of the oldest teams in college football, and now they come back as a much younger team. I think they're going to get the spit slapped out their mouth, and they're probably going to lose, I think, at least three games. Well, I think it's fair to say, just from just listening to that last paragraph, Ohio State went from being miserable to grouchy about everything to being miserable and grouchy about everything and ultra-motivated. <laughs> but oh, yeah, I, I think mean, for the moment, not just fans. You hear the word in Columbus, and our players are pissed. And I like angry football teams. The angry football there teams. There you go. Win. Hey, <laughs> there you go. You know, and I guess I, I guess say Harbaugh gets a wee bit of a pass for the first time in his era. He proved he could beat Ohio State. He proved he could take Michigan to the big time, and and he, and he proved that it was really possible. So that said, we'll give him a a a little bit of a pass. I want to go ahead and get to another team that you love so much, and that's Notre Dame. I wish Rick was able to join us. Number five, and I think that's a bit ambitious to have them ranked at number five. I think they probably need, certainly deserve a top ten spot. I don't know that it needs to be in the top five. Uh, but find anyone who can say anything bad about Marcus Freeman. Uh, the players were, were jacked when he was announced as the new head coach. Uh, the fans were jacked, the school was jacked, and apparently recruits are jacked. And that's that's the crazy part about all of this. Uh, Brian Kelly was really, really, really good at winning and restoring the national pro- uh, prominence of the place, and yet Notre Dame couldn't be more ecstatic. Uh, I, I don't know. We could go, run down that, that lane, and we only got a couple more minutes of Brian Kelly jumping ship from Notre Dame and just saying, screw you, we're done and going to LSU, and don't anybody ever tell you it's not about the money. It's always about the money, and that's all it was about with Brian Kelly. Brian Kelly did more harm to Notre Dame by leaving than staying. What are your thoughts about Notre Dame fighting Irish? Other than your normal thoughts about the Notre Dame fighting Irish. <laughs> Notre Dame has um, – I'm fine with Notre Dame at five because that just means when we beat them, we get a top five win on our schedule. Um, that's not spoilers. If you would have asked me all summer, I would have said that. I'll give you, when we get closer to the game, when we talk score predictions, I'll give you my, my score predictions. Here's what Notre Dame has. Notre Dame always has a very solid offensive line. They also have the best tight end in the nation, Michael Mayer. Their quarterback situation is a little, uh, we don't really know. We don't know what they have in Buckner. No clue. Uh, we think he could be good. If he's great, if he lives up to that recruiting ranking, then they could, they're easily a top-five team and could, and could still crack the playoff even with one loss to Ohio State. Because I was going to go on I don't think there's any chance they beat Ohio State. Like, I'm just a, a, a game in the shoe, 7 o'clock. Uh, yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't see it happening. Um, not with the Ohio State roster, not coming off of Michigan running their mouth for all freaking year. Um, <laughs> Notre Dame, though – is I think they're good. I think they land at the end of the season near the top five, but I think they're going to get their butts waxed in three weeks. And Marcus Freeman, I'll say this real quick. I know we got to go quick, quick. 
I think Marcus Freeman is going to be a very, very good coach. I don't think he's a very, very good coach yet. I think he's going to take his lumps in years one or two, and we'll we'll see what happens. But, you know, he he got the coach under Luke Farrell at at Cincinnati, where Luke basically ran that defense. And then he got the job of defensive coordinator at Notre Dame. And Notre Dame's defense last year was just kind of iffy. If you're going like, well, he's a great coordinator, and you go, but is he? We don't know yet. Do I think he's a great motivator? Yes, he was a captain at Ohio State. But will he be a great coach? That is still too good. There's your credentials for being a, a, a great motivator, being a captain at Ohio State. Adam Jividan, super brown fan and super duper uh, Ohio State fan and part of our college football coverage team. We're bringing it back this week, and we've been talking about the, the uh, top ten. Joining us now, getting ready to jump into racing is Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. Tony, real quickly, how are you? Um, I'm a lot less fired up than that guy is, that's for sure. <laughs> Adam, Adam uh, is uh, Adam. Uh, how would you rate your enthusiasm about the Ohio State Buckeyes? Uh, a nine out of, out of ten. I was going to say there is to infinity. To, to infinity. No, he's but it brings a great point. But uh, we'll get your your thoughts real, real quick. I know we didn't bring you on for college football, but you look at Notre Dame being at number five. Look at Ohio State being at number two. Of course, Alabama being number one. What are your thoughts about the the preseason top ten rankings in college football, Tony? Yeah, I think Notre Dame might be a little bit too high. I know that a lot of people think that they are going to be really good, as do I. But but you know, and honestly, I think preseason rankings um, are stupid. If we're if, if we're being honest, I mean, that's yeah. great. It's good to know, but I don't think rankings really should come out until what, the third or fourth week that we really know. I mean, there's always a team or two that is up there inside of the top ten that next thing you know drops drops four or five games. Could be a Utah, could be a Clemson, whatever. Yeah, we were just uh, talking about that with Utah, Utah yeah. So I'm not the biggest fan <laughs> of the uh, the rankings. All right, Adam, we appreciate you joining us and kicking off our 2022 college football season. We look forward to having you a part of our college football coverage throughout the entire year. Adam, you got any final words of wisdom or encouragement or motivation since you're a captain? Nah, man, of the football State. is back. <laughs> Everybody enjoy your weekend. All right, buddy. We appreciate you. We look forward to having you on this year. Awesome. Thanks, Tom. Thanks. Adam Jividan, always a part of our college football, and, yes, he does bring the energy. And I've, He doesn't need the black rifle coffee that I've got here. It's just the black coffee, so <laughs> – Tony Donahue, how are you, sir? I, I saw your tweet of your of your uh, multiple races in multiple days. Have you recovered? Uh, I, I'm still recovering, still recovering from last night's state fair as well. Oh my gosh! You know, we were going to go last year. I mean, not not last year, last week, and it just was kind of hot and decided not not against it. We I might get out there. We thought about going today with some friends, but. You know, everything that gets put off during the week has to be done on, on the weekend. And we had a nightmare from hell with with a, a certain hardware company buying a dishwasher. So I'm, I'm still trying to get that issue resolved. So that's got to happen today. We have a state fair. It's great. And, you know, I was looking at your tweet, and it's, it's cool. In all those tracks, you know, I've been to at one 
time or another, but never in the same season. So what's what's the what's the best story from the road that you can that you can or willing to share with us? Um, well, so I'll, I'll share this one with you. We went to Iowa a few weeks ago, which uh-huh. was you know a cool race. And if you follow IndyCar, you've known that uh, Iowa and Iowa was back after not being on the schedule in 2021. And the Hy-Vee grocery store, you know, has kind of stepped up with the partnership and the sponsorship of of that race and and really has saved that racetrack so i walked into a high v about 30 or 40 minutes outside of the racetrack in iowa and you know the workers didn't really know anything about racing it's not as popular there and you go into a high v and you can get you can get high v racing cookies and dog treats and shirts and bandanas <laughs> and anything you want they have these like cardboard cutouts of of, of jack harvey and, and graham ray hall and jack harvey's car so I ended up talking the lady down and negotiating all three of those items for, for 50 bucks. So we had to ride back home from Iowa uh, with those things kind of jammed into the car. So uh, that was certainly a lot of fun. But uh, the concerts were great at Iowa. I really enjoyed it. Um, Nashville was great. Kind of a kind of a crap show, so to speak, if you want to think about it uh, in, in, in that realm of possibility. Because it's a wild card race last week, and we saw that. Um, but it definitely, definitely made it interesting. Yeah, I really enjoyed that Nashville race uh, and it, a lot of chaos. I mean, I'm going to tell you, if you like chaos in racing, it was good. So go ahead and we're right there anyway. Let's go ahead and talk about the recap of Nashville, and we'll talk about some of the races that are on tap now and where we're at in the season. Uh, but overall, what are your thoughts about – when I say chaos, it just seemed like a lot of the teams didn't know what were going on with their with their radios. The, the, the teams didn't know what were going on with their drivers. The track was all the. It just seemed like there was a litany of things. Maybe it was just me being a an over uh, particular fan, I guess. But things just seemed kind of kind of crazy and wonky at Nashville. What do you attribute to that? And what what do you what are your takeaways from good, bad, or indifferent from the Nashville race? Yeah, I mean. Last year was a wild card as well. They had eight cautions. We saw Marcus Harrison flip over the back of a car basically into the air and come back and win. Um, Sunday just proved again it, it, it's the wild card race this season, which which sometimes IndyCar needs. You don't you don't always need that 80 lap race where the driver dominates and leads 75 of the 80 laps and um, you know it's boring. You're begging for a caution there towards the end. So um, you know it was it was it's a, it's a tight track. Those street courses are tight. You only have so much room. You you only have so much room to work with knowing that, you know, it's, it's, it's a daily street, you know, those are where pedestrians cross and, and, and normal cars are three hundred days out of the year. So, um, you know, it rained and we had a lightning delay that kind of played factor into it. And with all those cautions, you could play different fuel strategies and, and, and different pit strategies. And that's exactly what Scott Dixon did uh, to get the win and move within six points of willpower for the championship. So, um, yeah, you know, I, I'm cool with that. You know, you've got like the double points at the Indianapolis 500, and you get the wild card race in Nashville. So I feel like there's some tweaks that need to be made. But but I just I like the fact that it was it was chaotic and and you didn't know what was coming next and what was going to happen. Well, you know, I want to move on to another story, and I know you're very familiar with the team over at, at Racer Magazine, but they released a story a, a few weeks ago, and I've kind of been following it. And that's uh, the the story about Alex Pillow being sued. I, w- I want to know maybe if you can give us an update, a, a background story on that for what you know, what you can tell. Um, I, I know Racer's been uh, publishing a lot of stuff, but here 
this past week, uh, the Alex Blow's legal team filed a motion to move the lawsuit against their client to uh, in his company, I guess, uh, from Indiana state whatever to the Indiana federal jurisdiction. And that was filed on Friday and uh, and appeared on the docket on Monday. And, and that was on, in, from racers, uh, giving them credit for the source there. Um, but what's going on there? I mean, I guess I don't understand the, the – was he still legally obligated under contract when he signed a new contract? Is, is this a breach of contract case? Can you give us any insight to the lawsuit going on with Alex Plo? I mean, basically, what what it came down is is the fact that um, you know Alex Polo wanted to race uh, for McLaren next year, and then he hadn't gotten the go ahead from Chip Ganassi to be re-signed. It was a team option. Chip Ganassi gets word that he's going to re-sign somewhere else, so he decides to sign him, thinking, okay, well, I have the right to do that, and if I do that, and Alex Polo doesn't want to race for me next year. Uh, then he's going to have to, we're going to have to do some kind of, you know, he's going to have to buy himself out of the contract, whether it's them or McLaren racing. So, you know, Chip basically said, you know, it's, it's, it's very, very Victor Oladipo ish, right? Like, you know, this person doesn't want to play or, or, or drive for your team, but you also want to hold the power of being able to get something in return. Um, and in IndyCar, that's usually just cash um, and some kind of consideration along those lines. So, uh, so Chip pounced at that, then it's kind of been back and forth. Um, you know, after Nashville, they discussed, well, um, you know, what's next? And, 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 and it looks like it's going to, it's going to come here in the next couple of weeks. Um, I am still surprised that Alex Polo is in that car, knowing that the relationship is absolutely tainted and there's probably no way to come back of it, but yet he still does have a contract that he has to, um, to honor and race. And he's still, you know, even though, I mean, I think he's all but eliminated. He still technically, um, could win the championship, you know, he, he would need to win two out of the next three races and finish podium in the others. But, um, yeah, it's just been crazy, and we're, we're going to know more in, like, the next month when they go to court. But I'm at, I'm at about a 3% chance that Polo stays at Ganassi Racing. Um, if, and, and, and I think Chip will tell him, look, you're either running IndyCar with us next year, McLaren's writing us a massive check, or you're going to have to go run Formula E or something because you're, in, you're either going to give me a check and you can go run McLaren IndyCar, or you don't give me a check, I'll let you out of your contract, but you're not to race in a new car in twenty twenty three. So uh we're gonna see what happens. It's 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 been it's been a bit it's been a bit wacky, that's for sure. You don't really see this that often. Yeah, I don't think we I at least in my memory, I don't think I remember this happening. Maybe it has happened. So really I guess at the end of the day it's kind of more of a breach of a contract. And that's a pretty easy thing to to prove yay or nay. You're under contract and while you're under contract you can't Sign with somebody else. That's a clear breach of contract. And I can't. I can see this being settled before it goes too far into trial because it seems like that's just going to be a wrong way to go. And obviously, Alex Polo is too talented of a driver to get caught up in this uh, political environment that he's got caught up. And I guess my curious thought and the, the deeper look at this would be: Why would Alex Polo let his <clears throat> legal team move forward with this, knowing? knowing it's going to be a huge up, upward battle. Is, is there a reason why he thought this was a necessary step just to race with McLaren? Yeah, I think that there was an opportunity that came up, and, you know, it was getting closer and closer to the deadline for Chip to resign, and they hadn't heard anything. And 
he had just kind of changed over representation had Alex below. So I think there were some things that were maybe caught, um, you know, between the lines, let's just say, and, 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 and that they weren't sure of. And McLaren came to him and Zach Brown and the group, they'd done to a lot of drivers and said, Hey, you know, we've got interest in you running our car next year, being a part of the team. Um, you know, we'll give you a, give you a chance. You know, he can always, he can always offer that Formula One seat, right? Like he can always say, hey, we'll give you a Formula One test and see how you do. And people are going to pounce on that opportunity because, you know, it's Formula One. And, and every driver in the series, their goal is to race Formula One. I mean, IndyCar is great. We know that. I love it to death. But everybody's goal, they'll tell you, even as a little kid, was to get to Formula One. So I think Polo saw that opportunity and decided, hey, um, what we're going to do is we're going to go over to McLaren. I'm going to run their IndyCar team, and that's what sounds like the best option. And then Chip Ganassi said, nope, 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 nope. I have you under contract. I'm resigning you. So it's going to get ugly before it gets any better. So, um, again, we've still got a couple more weeks to see how this all pans out. So what's up next uh, for IndyCar? Uh, what's the next race? I believe it's the 19th, uh, the Bermano uh, Automotive uh, Group 500. Am I correct on that? Yeah, the Bomberito Auto Group 500 comes up next week. Um, that'll be a good race that? at Gateway. It's Gateway. at Gateway in St. Okay. Um, should be a good race. Look, you got six races. Or you got six points separating Will Power and Scott Dixon, which is three races to go. Um, Dixon's been super good and his championship season over the final three races of the year. Um, I look for him to win this championship, even though Will Power still is at the top of the board. Um, one oval, two road courses left. Um, it should be a battle to finish, and, and then we'll put a bow on the 2022 season, which is crazy to think about already. Um, and we'll move on to 2023 and all the, all the crazy, silly season stuff that we know is going to come. Are you, are you ready to predict an IndyCar champion? Oh, Scott Dixon. I mean, look. I, I've been saying this for a week, but I said it to you. I was waiting for him. You know, you asked me who I thought was going to win in Toronto, and I said, I think this is the day that Scott Dixon wins for the first time this year and then kind of takes over, put the stranglehold in that championship. So um, I think it's Scott Dixon. I know Joseph, New- Joseph Newgarden's still right there. Um, it's just it's been, a, it's been a hit or miss the last couple of weeks for Joseph. Obviously, he wins at Iowa and then gets, gets hurt, you know, in that crash the next day in Iowa. Um, they didn't know if he was going to sit out at Indy. He doesn't finish his top 10. And then um, they um, end up, um, you know, Will, Will Power's been good too, but some of the consistency just hasn't been there for him. Mm-hmm. Talking with Tony Donahue uh, from uh, burnoutsports.com and uh, the Tony D podcast, talking some IndyCar. I'm going to get into some NASCAR in just a second. Steve can't join us today. Um, he's under the weather, uh, but uh, we'll, we'll talk a little bit, a little bit of NASCAR, but, Looking forward, as I always like to do, okay, so we, we, we've got championship picture in mind. Looks like it's going to be Scott Dixon right there with you. No disagreements there. I think some of the fun part of, of, of IndyCar, anyway, is what we call a funny season uh, or silly season, whatever you want to call it. Uh, looking ahead to that, we just talked a little bit about what we're probably a preview of one of the, the main highlights of the silly season coming up, and that's with the Alex Blow issue. Uh, but as you look forward to that, do you predict any other major – silly season, stories, breakouts, anything like that, that will cause the racing world to come to a pause? No, I don't think, you know, as far as 
bombshells like that, I, I would hope not. Um, you know, we know that Alexander Rossi is going to be at McLaren next year. So does that become a three-car effort with Alex Pillow, Pato Award, and Alexander Rossi? Where does that move Felix Rosenquist? Does Rosenquist stay in IndyCar and allowed to go to another team? Does Rosenquist end up going over to Formula E? Um, that's still to be determined. I, I, I honestly think that there could be some, almost like the NBA, some three- or four-way deals, right, where maybe a guy like David Malukas, who is a rookie and has shown that he can race, um, make some moves. Maybe um, Devin DeFrancesco is at the Andretti Autosports. It's been a rumor that, that he may move, move, be moving on and, and go somewhere else. So um, we still, we'll still see. Uh, the, the biggest problem, Tom, is there is a lot of good drivers with not a lot of, with not enough rides. So, um, still plenty to uh, still still plenty to come through over the next couple of weeks uh, with contracts and drivers going where, but we'll definitely see um, we'll definitely see some more shakeups. But I don't think any as big as this whole Alex Pelot deal. Well, I'm I'm really curious to see how that's going to end up. I, it, it would be just shocking and detrimental to racing fans and to the sport if they did not allow him to race in 2023 because of some political con- contractual stuff. I say, hey, everybody. Go to your corners, get some money. Let's go, go racing and call today. Call the settlement, as, as, as they say. This is this is bad for the sport. It's a bad look for the sport. And unfortunately, as good and talented driver as Alex Palou is, and as well deserving as he as he is, this contract that's coming his way or should come his way, uh, he's caught up in the middle of it as well. And I, I again, I wonder how much he could have prevented that from happening. Let's go over to NASCAR. Uh, we, we talk about Bubba Wallace. Uh, you know, I gotta I gotta make one funny comment about Bubba Wallace. When we were out at the track out here in Indianapolis, and I was noticing that he was coming down the the grid walk there, and didn't really sign an autograph. He was kind of waving like he was a king or something, and he had an entourage like he was a king. Uh, I mean, has Bubba Wallace reached? And, and I, we'll talk about his skill as a driver because that's there. That's clearly there. But have we reached the, the, the place with Bubba Wallace where he thinks he's bigger than he is? He, does he feel like he has some sort of king status? I, I, I don't know. Because some of the best drivers in NASCAR were on that gridwalk, and they may have had their daughter. They may have had their girlfriend. Nobody had the entourage like Wallace. And he wasn't even signing autographs. He was just going through waving at everybody like he was a king. So, uh, and, I, and, and I picked that up by other people behind me. We're saying that th- those were fans that were saying that. So, I mean, I think NASCAR is down to earth uh, people, and I, I think they don't have the bandwidth for a diva driver. Are, are we seeing signs of that happening with Bubba Wallace? You know, I don't know because I haven't really paid too much attention to it. Um, I did see him at IRP during the truck race, and he was waving to people and walking and signing autographs. So that would kind of go with the opposite of of of, of what you saw. Um, and look, I know fans on the surface just look and say, "Oh, well, he didn't sign a autograph," or "Oh, he didn't do this," or "Oh, he should have done that." Um, my thing on that is 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 look, you don't know what that driver's going through that day. You don't know, you know, there's a chance, you know, these drivers get in the zone. They're, they're 20 minutes away from doing their job. And that, that's, that's a very intense job that they only do once a week. So um, I, I just think you don't know sometimes I've never really, yeah. you know, I think Bubba ha- has gained some fame and some status because of, 
of who he is and what he believes in and what he stands for. And, and has that maybe gone to his head? Sure. I mean, I think it's a natural thing to do. Um, but I, I don't think that he is a guy that's going to blow off people and, and kind of be a prick for lack of a better term. Um, it's just <laughs> something that I think that I just think that, you know, you never know when somebody's having a, a day or somebody's already in the zone or in a, in a mood. And, um, you know, it seems like Bubba Wallace for the most part has been, has been pretty good to people and fans, but you never know. Somebody may be having a bad day and that may change things up. Absolutely. I, I, I totally agree with that theory as well. Well, I can tell you, there's, there's, there's somebody that did get Bubba Wallace's uh, autograph, and that was announced on Friday. Bubba Wallace signed a multi-year contract extension with the 23XL Racing Team, and that was announced on Friday. Wallace uh, was signed to the team's, as the team's inaugural driver going into his debut season. Uh, with, with a, a fall win at Talladega Speedway. Of course, he did, he did great out at Michigan this past weekend. So, you know, I'm all for giving the guy a, a contract. I don't know what it's worth. I, I've heard some numbers. So I, don't, I don't know what they are, so I'm not going them to be fact. But if the numbers that I have heard, he is – well, well paid, and certainly his owners have the ability to do that. Uh, and so we'll we'll see what happens. But Bubba Wallace with the contract extension, initial thoughts on that? Yeah, no, it's great. I mean, you know, they he 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 ran okay with with Petty a few years ago, and they decided to make this team. And now I'm sure a lot of these, I'm sure a lot of these sponsors come with Bubba, right? I'm sure the likes of McDonald's and, and Columbia and some of these other sponsors are going, yeah, we'll, we'll send you the money. We'll, we'll back this or, or sponsor you for seven or eight races. Um, if Bubba Wallace is in that car, he brings a little bit more attention than other drivers. Um, you know, we know that he can win races. We know that he can um, get things done and, and, and make it to the playoffs. So, uh, yeah, you know, that, that was kind of the thing. He had a lot of fame uh, during the pandemic on some of the, the crappy things that happened. But, uh, you know, on the flip side of that, it was like, okay, that's great and all. He's getting all his attention. Cool. We support him, but can he win a race? Then he won a rain shortened race, and um, you know he's been in victory lane since. So, um, yeah, I think he's helping build that that XLI program, that twenty three eleven, and and uh, obviously Denny Hamlin likes him. Michael Jordan obviously likes him, and and it just seems to make sense. So glad to see that he's uh, back resigned in that car. Speaking of Denny Hamlin, where where are we looking at him? Uh, for the for the playoffs, I mean, of course, he's a Joe Gibbs uh, driver, uh, but he's also a two race winner in 2022. Should have been three, but it's neither here nor there. Uh, and then, of course, you, you talk about Martin Truex. These are two drivers that I look at. I'm not saying that this is their last year. They've not made any formal announcements of retirement, but you might see Denny going from Denny the driver to Denny the owner and being full time that and uh, Truex going from a driver to being a broadcaster and a full-time on that. What are your thoughts on that, like, say, uh, 2023 or no later than 2024? Yeah, I think what's interesting here is where things will shake up. Um, I definitely uh, don't think Denny Hamlin is near retirement at all. I think he's still got a couple more good seasons left in him. Do I think Martin Truex Jr. will probably retire? Yes. You know, he's 17th right now. He's on the cutoff line of making the playoffs. It's basically down between – him and Martin Truex Jr. or sorry, Martin Truex Jr. and Blaney. Uh, Blaney's got a 17, or excuse me, a 19 point lead on that cutoff line. So that's going to come down to the wire. Um, I don't see a guy like Eric Jones or Eric Almarola, Bubba Wallace, Austin Dillon kind of making it. But that last race to get into the playoffs at Daytona, 
that's a wild card. Anything can happen in the restrictor plate. You know, that's where Eric Jones has the win. Eric Almarola has the restrictor plate win. So does Austin Dillon. So does Bubba Wallace, uh, Chris Buescher, Ricky Senhouse Jr., Michael McDowell. Those are all guys that have ran really well there. Brad Keselowski, he was 28th in points. I mean, look, you got to get a win if you're Ryan Blaney or Martin Truex. It's going to be crazy because then if you see if you see 16 different winners this year, and uh, you know there's going to be a driver that um, you know has won a race that doesn't make the playoffs, which will be crazy. And then, then we'll just see what happens with Kurt Busch as well, right? Like Ty Gibbs is in that car this week again. Mm-hmm. He still has mm-hmm. his concussion sim- symptoms, mm-hmm. um, so it'll be interesting to see if and when uh, Kurt Busch uh, returns. Yeah, that'd be it's a big. Uh... If and watching that, it's going to see, see what has happens. With, uh, I, I'm really watching what's going to happen with both brothers, especially uh, with some contract issues with, with the other brother and, and, and you know Kyle and Kurt Bolt. We're going to be watching here in the postseason, so we'll see what happens. I'm just going to go through a um, uh, hot seat, uh, if you will, uh, of drivers. Uh, where, maybe tell me what you a current snapshot of them, where you, you think they're going to end up at, and we'll just kind of go through that. We've just got a few more minutes to, to do this, so we'll just kind of go through the hot seat mo- motion. Uh, let's talk about Austin Sendrick, uh, 2006 points. Uh, he's had a one-stage win. Um, he, had, of course, had a win in Daytona. Uh, thoughts about Austin Sendrick? Uh, in the playoffs, uh, I, you know, we'll see. He's he's good on the road and street courses, uh, he, or the, excuse me, the road courses. He's proved that he can win at Daytona. He's a rookie, so not a lot of experience. Um, I think he'll be one of those guys that kind of fades in the playoffs, but um, I mean, you can't really beat what he's done in his rookie season, uh, winning the Daytona 500 and making it into the playoffs. So, um, you know, mm-hmm. if, if you told him that a year ago, that this was a situation he would be in, he would 100% take it. You know, uh, driver, I, I've, I've enjoyed watching this season and just maybe just kind of under the radar been a fan of his is great. That's Alex Bowman. When he went out in Vegas, uh, which was the race that Bowman really needed. His ninth place finish at Michigan also uh, marks Bowman the first top ten since Charlotte in May. I, I like Alex Bowman. I, I like his spunk. I like his energy. Uh, I think he brings a lot to the track, and he, he certainly brings a lot to Hendricks. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. I mean, he's he's a guy that you, you weren't sure. You know, he's bounced around so many different places. He was in that seven car for a while. and didn't have much sponsorship with Tommy Baldwin. Um, he kind of moved back down and was a staple in the Xfinity Series and then um, got an opportunity to fill in a few times. I believe um, kind of his his, 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 his fill-in role gave him that shot at, at Hendrick. And, and now he's made the most of it winning a couple of races. So I think he's going to win the championship more than likely not. Um, but we shall see. We shall see. Well, I'm going to – one driver, I, I, I like him. He's fun to watch. You know, I, I like him in the booth. That's Daniel Soraz. I love listening in to him uh, color a uh, color uh, broadcast a race and, and be a part of the race broadcast as he's done on some Xfinity races. I like Daniel Suarez. Of course, he had a win in Simona. He had two wins. He, he, had, he led 33 laps at Michigan. Um, I like Daniel Suarez a lot. I don't know if he's going to a championship, but I, I think he's certainly someone fun to watch in the playoffs. Uh, this is our last driver we can feature today, and we got to talk about Richmond just real quick. But go ahead, sir. Yeah, I mean, look, when you think about what's coming up over the next couple of weeks with NASCAR, um, you know, what I look at is, okay, when do emotions start to boil over, right? You're going to have guys like – like Martin Truex Jr. and and getting desperate and other drivers trying to snag wins. So I think we'll see a lot of 
of, of, of things boil over. Um, good, right? Like NASCAR is built on its WWE type of mentality. And Richmond tonight, uh, you got to get, get the trucks tonight, which will be fun. Um, you know, we'll just see what happens. But, yeah, Richmond should be fun tomorrow, 3 o'clock. Should be a great race. And you go to Watkins Glen next week, which could be another wild card race. So it should be a fun August here for NASCAR coming up. All right. It's time for the DraftKings $5 pick of the week uh, for Richmond. Who? What city, sir? I say Ryan Blaney does everything that he has to do to get the victory and gets it done tonight to, to hopefully punch his ticket into the playoffs. We'll see how they kind of do that as far as, okay, well, now this, uh, well, well now this, um, you know, this team, this, 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 this whole situation has gone down, um, you know, and they've got to get in and then we'll see what happens with having more, more, more than 16 uh, drivers winning. All right, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast. We appreciate you joining in burnoutsports.com. Where can people find your work and masterpieces? What you're working on? Yeah, plenty of IndyCar stuff, burnoutsports.com. Uh, follow us on Twitter, like us on YouTube, and we'll talk to you here soon. All right, Tony, appreciate it. Thank you. Have a good weekend. See ya. Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com joins us to put on the racing cap with us today. My name is Tom Marquis. Al Presidente right around the corner, fellas. We are going to be breaking down uh, the NFL camp of what's going on in the NFL preseason with Ed Kraft, beat writer, Philadelphia Eagles, and SI.com. We'll be right back right here on the House Radio Network. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, What is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. Oh, hi. Uh, Seen on the board, do you guys have black rifle coffee here? (laughs) No, I'm sorry. We only carry good 
small batch coffee here. Well, it is great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted. So, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Lekwa Pique, which of course in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been past their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes? Yeah, tons of causes. Veterans causes and first responder causes, but it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm, I'm just going to order it. They make it fresh and roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good. to the balance a final quarter of the show and we're getting ready to jump into some nfl talk a lot to talk about in the nfl thank you uh adam jibbin super browns fan and super duper uh, uh ohio state fan breaking help me break down the top 10 rick couldn't join us today He's playing golf uh yeah how rude right that's what i say anyway uh, but uh, so we, he didn't get a chance to talk to Notre Dame, obviously, rank number five, a little bit ambitious, Ohio State, rank number two. Uh, so we'll see what happens there. And of course, Tony Donahue with the Tony D Podcast and BurnoutSports.com. Uh, talk some IndyCar, what's going on with there. Of course, you know, we, we're going we're to be talking about this for a while, that lawsuit with Alex Pelot. It seems like this is kind of a ridiculous breach of contract. It's pretty easy. It's pretty, pretty cut and dry. If you're under contract with somebody else. You can't sign a contract with, with, with somebody else, a, a breach of contract, and they've moved it to federal court here in Indiana, so we'll, we'll see what that happens. Of course, NASCAR down in Richmond, uh, breaking that down, but we saved the best for last. You know, the, the feature part of, the, of any concert or you go to or anything that you go to, it's everything leading up to the climax of the show, and that's our climax today is Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com. Ed, how does it feel to be part of our climax? <laughs> <laughs> I feel kind of a little thick. I could resist. Actually, like, I, got that, I got that one on the fly. I got that one on okay, the fly. Okay, that was uh, – yeah, well done. Yeah, yeah feel, feel a little black rifle right coffee. I feel, like, <laughs> I feel like I need a, ca- a towel or something, you know? <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you know – Man's got to do what a man's got to do. And, and I, I do want to get your thoughts about the Jets and, and the, the Eagles, uh, your, your playbook on that here in just a moment. But uh, how, how's things been going in the Eagles camp? What, what's, your, what's your overall feeling of what you're seeing? Are, are you seeing things you like with the Eagles at camp, things you don't like? Or, hey, uh, we're in a good spot. What are your thoughts? Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I... – you know, I've actually enjoyed watching camp. Um, you know, the Eagles have a, a, a pretty solid roster. And one of the parts of camp that I've really enjoyed watching was, is you know, they have Darius Slay and James Bradbury at the cornerback, one and two, and they're both Pro Bowl cornerbacks. And um, they're matching up with A.J. Brown, who, you know, he's one of the top 
I don't know, five, six, seven receivers in the league probably. And Devontae Smith also, when he was healthy, he hasn't practiced for a week, didn't didn't suit up for Friday night's game. But, you know, watching those two receivers, because I think Brown and Smith are, you know, they're two number one receivers and they're on the same team going against two Pro Bowl corners. It's been really kind of fun to watch. Um, and then the defense, you know, they, they got that big Jordan Davis that they've Park over the middle, six six, three hundred and forty pounder that mm-hmm. you know <clears throat> occupies a lot of, of blocks. I don't think he'll ever be a big stat guy, you know, with sacks and tackles. But you know, he's going to free up his teammates to make plays. But uh, yeah, it's been it's been a fun and entertaining camp, and I, I think the Eagles have a pretty good team. Let's talk about the game last night. Uh, the the Jets and the Eagles. Of course, we always say it's just preseason; nothing counts. It doesn't really matter. It doesn't count per se in the overall record book of things, but it does count for people who are trying to earn a, earn a job. And you know what? Right. I, tell me what your thoughts. Let's just go through a couple of these players that uh, just some observational notes here. And maybe you can talk to me a little bit from, from your point of view uh, covering the game yesterday. But if, if for a guy that's trying to get a job or keep a job, what is Jason Hutley? Uh, I mean, he saw a lot of work, uh, 20, what was it, like 20 offensive touch, uh, touches, uh, 16 carries, four receptions. So he saw a lot of work. Usually when you yeah. are seeing a player get a lot of work in the preseason, that means that that player's on the coach's radar. How, how, how do you think he did yesterday? Is, is, this, is this a guy that yeah. has a job? I mean, I mean I, you know, and he did a good good work in the kickoff return, too. He took one out 42 yards on a kickoff return. But uh, – you know, it's going to kind of be a numbers game with him. Uh, you know, the Eagles have Boston Scott, Kenny Gainwell, neither of whom played or suited up Friday night. Uh, can, Scott has a concussion. Gainwell's got some kind of hip thing. And then they have Miles Sanders. So, you know, that's three running backs. I'm not sure how many they're going to keep. If they keep four, yeah, then I, then Huntley will be the fourth. Um, but we'll have to see how things shake out at receiver. The injuries, the, the Eagles had a pretty bad blow with the receiver last night. They had this undrafted rookie free agent from Utah, uh, Britton Covey, who was really doing well in practice. And he's a kick returner. He's a slot receiver, a little on the short side. He's about five, five, seven, five, eight, 175 pounds. He tore ligaments in his left or rather his right thumb last night on some fastball fired at him by Reed Sinet, the third string quarterback. And, you know, he's going to miss time. And until then I thought maybe they would keep six receivers and three running backs. But now with, you know, him probably missing some time here. They could go five receivers and four running backs, which would help Huntley. Uh, you know, the, the coaches do like Huntley an awful lot. Um, you know, he had a touchdown run last night on the fourth and goal from the one. Um, failed to pick up a couple third, a third and one. He couldn't get an inch. He had a fourth and one, couldn't pick up a yard. But he was running behind a second team line and some even third team guys sprinkled in there. So um, he's on their radar. I just don't know if he's if the numbers are going to be in his favor when all said and done. You know, uh, another workhorse yesterday uh, was, uh, was Ken Jurgens. Uh, he's going to be the starter right now because of, of, uh, I mean, the center Kelsey, right. He's, he's, he's out significantly to another bowl injury. So you would assume he's going to be the, the starter. So is this in, in, in good, is it to get practice or was this, I mean, I, when you, in the preseason, I guess you don't want to give who you know you're going to be your starter a lot of a lot of work in in the in the first few games. What preseason games? Is that a good decision? Well, yeah, by the Eagles? Play, well, yeah, sure. He played the whole first half. I mean, he's a rookie. He's a center. I mean, Kelsey had that. They called it a routine elbow clear out. 
Um, and, you know, Nick Sirianni doesn't ever put a timetable on a player's return. But, you know, Jason Kelsey has started 122 straight games, the longest streak in the league. And, you know, he hasn't missed a start since 2014. So, you know, Sirianni kind of gave a little wink-wink saying, you know, if he's close that week going to the Detroit Lions game, the opener in Detroit, then he's going to play. Um, and until then, I mean, it's not a bad thing that Cam Jurgens is getting these first-team reps because he's clearly going to be – you know, the Eagles' future center whenever it is Kelsey decides to call it a career. Probably after this year, I've been told by a few people now that this will be his last season. Um, you know, and then, you know, I think he's had a Hall of Fame-type career. I mean, he's been that good. He's a four-time first-team All-Pro player. Um, so, you know, right now they're just giving Jurgens work, and this is valuable for him. He played the good. whole half. Mm-hmm. The, the starting offensive line exited after that one series. Uh, where Jalen Hurts was a perfect six for six, 80 yards, 22 yard touchdown throw, perfect passer rating, 158.3. Couldn't do, have done any better. So you know they they got that one series and they took out all the starters, including the line. But Cam Jurgens remained in for the rest of the half to just you know get some work, you know to to figure out how to play at the NFL level. So yeah, I mean it, it wasn't really a big surprise that they gave him that extra time, um, even though you'd like to keep him healthy. I, I you know. Uh, it was it was good for him to get that work. So overall, uh, as far as breaking camp, we're going to get into some of these other teams and walk around the league. Uh, overall, what kind of grade would you give the Philadelphia Eagles going into twenty twenty two? Off of last night's game, or just in general? Well, just in general, you can you can make your decision yeah, I, off I, of last night. I think the way yeah, I think the way the NFC shakes out is. You know, they they could be in the mix. I mean, I have them winning 10 games. I mean, I, they won nine last year, and I think their roster's better. Um, you know, maybe they win 11 if the ball, you know, they get a few breaks, the ball bounces their way, this and that. They stay healthy. Um, but, yeah, I think I think they're an improved team. I, I would probably give them, a you know, a good B grade going into the season. Um, and the NFC, like I said, it's not like the AFC where you have several teams that can – you know, push for a playoff spot, you know, for a Super Bowl, really. Uh, the NFC, don't you know, you have the Packers who have their own questions at receiver. Uh, you have the Tampa Bay team that's been kind of injury riddled up front. The interior of their offensive line is, you know, in shambles. And, you know, how will that impact Tom Brady at 45 years old? And, um, you know, you have the Rams, but, you know, that there's always that Super Bowl hangover thing in play. So, you know, the NFC is kind of wide open. And like I say, if the Eagles can – you know, uh, take care of their own business and get a few breaks. You know, they they can make a push for uh, you know for a, uh, to win a game or two maybe in the playoffs. So I'll give them a big. All right. Well, I hope I hope it comes out with an A. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, getting ready to walk around the league, uh, preseason style. Of course, uh, today I believe it's eight o'clock. Mike Holes play uh, Buffalo, so we'll get to that here in in, in just a moment. But, hey, why not just start it off right? Let's keep the, this, this Sean Watson talk going. And all seriousness, we, mm-hmm. we, we put it up on, on social media. We, we did a retweet on it, or we will be doing a retweet on it. Uh, and, and I don't want to give out the Twitter, but we're going to retweet it. But So Jaguar fans, there's a video uh, where they so – Jag, the Jaguars played the, the Browns uh, and did a chant toward uh, Deshaun Watson. Uh, to uh, back, you know, basically back to the NFL, Deshaun Watson, 
Usick F U, and I know you know how to spell it, so we'll leave it there, Chant. <laughs> and that was going through, through the entire stadium with, with Jacksonville. Is this a precursor of what we're going to see, especially he only got like six games suspension, so he's coming back. Is, it, is this a precursor of what we're going to see? Yeah, I, I don't think that's been settled. I mean, Roger Goodell wants him to sit the season, so they're still litigating this. I mean, even though Sue L. Robinson put that six-game thing out there, I don't, you know, I I think he's going to end up, you know, usually what Roger Goodell wants, he gets. So I'm, I'm not sure he's going to play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, uh, and listen, if he's getting that rough ride, in, if he's getting a rough ride in Jacksonville, which isn't exactly the bastion of, you know, NFL fandom, uh, imagine what he's going to get in, you know, passionate NFL cities across the country. I mean, he, mm-hmm. it's going to be tough for him, but I don't think he's going to play. Uh, and maybe just the six games, but I, I don't think he's going to play. The Browns are just trying to get him ready. Uh, I don't know how he looked. I don't know how he did. I didn't see anything off of that I game. But, I just um, saw the tweet, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah well, I, don't, good, I don't know. I mean, good... He's obviously rusty. He missed all last year, so I, I don't know how he did, but – going to be tough, tough sledding for him if he's playing this year. Yeah, I, I got no use for the dude. It's uh, certainly no use for him yeah. in, in, in the league, but we, we can debate that for another time. The good thing is, ready for some football. Okay, yeah, yeah. it should be bad football. <laughs> I mean, the, the yeah. starters for most teams that will play a series of uh, maybe maybe two snaps at the most. Uh, so we'll see. Preseason is underway. Uh but, you know, for some teams, like we've talked about, an opportunity to tighten things up, you know, ahead of week one. Uh, but for many, these are position battles. And we've said it before on this show, probably say it every year on preseason. If, you, if you're out there playing, you're on tape. Whether or not you'll land with that particular team that you're playing with, who knows? Uh, but if, you're, if you don't, you're on tape. So you, this is a job interview. So even though they're not the mega stars that we paid lots of money to go see, oh, and which, by the way, speaking of paying money, uh, okay, well, we're going to go to a Colts game. I think it's next weekend, next weekend, or the weekend after. I don't know. It's just whenever the Colts play Tampa Bay, um, because I, I, schedule-wise, didn't even really pay attention to the team. But, guess we're going to the mm-hmm. uh, Colts-Tampa Bay game here in a couple weeks. I don't think I'm going to see Tom Brady, but if I do, hey, I got to see Tom Brady. Yeah, you got <laughs> to do Tom Brady what, one one more time, huh? You get to boo him once <laughs> once, once again. <laughs> yeah, we were we were saying I, I don't think he's going to play, but that that's not why we brought the people. It's just the schedule. Hey, you know, because of work and this, it's hard to go during the week, and you know, but Melissa being a school teacher in her full time life, she's got to get up early and on Monday, so it's hard to go to a Sunday night. This, that, the other, so. We landed on a date, and it just so happened to be that we landed on the date before we even really knew who they were playing, and then realized it was Tampa Bay. And let's see, you're not gonna believe this. Uh huh. It's like it's Tampa Bay, and it's like, yeah. So we got the tickets, and we're gonna go. We're gonna try to get to as many Colt games as, as we as we can this year. We'll see. We'll see yeah. what happens. Yeah. Well, well, it's well, gonna be a good. It's gonna be a good year there in Indy. I think. I think Matt Ryan's a well, good ticket quarterback, and yeah. You're you're gonna be here in November, right? Yeah, whenever the Eagles are scheduled, yeah. Yeah, I think, I think it's over there. But either which way, we're we're going to be going to that game for sure. Uh, we won't have mm-hmm. the press box press passes that you have, but that's okay. We'll be there. We'll we'll meet for drinks sure. or something beforehand or afterhand. Let's, let's, let's yeah, look forward to get that. through some of these teams. Uh, the power rankings came out this week. Uh, take it for what it's worth. I've never been a big fan of power rankings. It 
It is what it is. We know it's going to change every week, but let's just start where it came out this week. Number 32, the Houston Texans. By most estimations, the Texans are the most talented, deficient team in the NFL. Um, but, you know, they, they, had, they, they got a steal in that third round of the 2021 draft with quarterback Davis Mills, which I'm sure he's going to be, uh, you know, a real chance of being their starting quarterback there um, since they lost their quarterback, but we won't go there. But uh, <laughs> but he's a pretty solid quarterback. Uh, so uh, the, Houston, the Houston Texans, uh, number 32 in the power rankings, probably right where they need to be at. Uh, sure, it sounds right. Uh, you know, um, new head coach. I like that Damian Pierce they took that running back, though. Uh, you know, apparently he's doing pretty well out of Florida. Um, mm-hmm. But, yeah, sure, that, that sounds right. I mean, you know, you could you could debate that. Um, there are some other teams that we'll probably get into that could be there. But, yeah, Texans at 32 sounds right. Let's talk about uh, 31, uh, and we'll we'll zip down through some of these here in just a, a minute. But I, it caught my attention, obviously, because it's the Atlanta Falcons, and Matt Ryan is now in Indianapolis, and so he's our savior. We'll see. <laughs> he won yeah, that press I mean, conference. You know, we'll, Matt, we'll give him that. We'll, we'll give him that. Uh, well, yeah. I mean, uh, he's, you know, he's a veteran guy. I mean, he's won a lot of games. He probably should have won a Super Bowl if his you know, defense played any, any good in the second half there against uh, Tom Brady. Uh, um, so yeah, I mean he's he's a good pickup, but the Falcons have Marcus Mariota. And, you know they're a pretty their, their roster's pretty. You know they need to bulk up on the talent there. But yeah, I, I, that was one of the teams I was going to say who could be at thirty two uh, is the Falcons. <laughs> I just don't think they're going to have a they're not going to have a good season. Well, you know they they kind of had a quarterback dilemma. I mean, do they really? I don't know. Uh, Marietta's kind of kind of on the edge, but they've got this uh, new rookie, Scott Blair. Uh, you know, so they believe he's he's going to be something. And I, I think that I, I honestly think Marietta doesn't have uh, Marcus Marietta doesn't have the job. Um, maybe Deshaun Deshaun Ritter, but I don't I don't know that it's sealed up with Marietta having having the job with, with the Falcons. Yeah, maybe that? it is Desmond Ritter. It does. It could be Desmond Ritter from Cincinnati, the kid from, I, you know, I liked him also in the draft. But uh, yeah, and they've got Kyle Pitts, you know, but probably the best tight end, you know, one of the top five tight ends. So you know, they have a base there that they can build on. You know, they lost Calvin Ridley, suspended for gambling for a year to start the year. I'm not sure he would have been in Atlanta anyway. The Eagles were really making a strong push for him. He probably would have been in Philly, and AJ Brown wouldn't be here. It'd be Calvin Ridley, but. Uh, yeah, they still they still need uh, you know to to like I said beef up the talent on that roster. Well, let's uh, let's just kind of jump down the down the list here. Um, we'll just start with you guys. Uh, the Philadelphia Eagles are ranked at number thirteen in the power rankings, uh, and certainly the Eagles were one of the uh, one of the last season's more pleasant surprises uh, after a two and five start. So the Eagles are ranked number thirteen in the power rankings uh, this week, sir. What say you? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, again, I, it could be a little higher, maybe. Um, you know, I like the off season they had. Um, they probably have one of the best lines, offensive lines in football, and their defensive line is really good. And to me, that's where it starts, right? Is up front. So, 
you know, I don't want to sound biased, but I, you know, I think they could be a little bit higher. But you there. are. I think they could be. Yeah. Well, I mean, I cover them every day. I kind of see what they are and what they yeah. aren't. And I, you know, but, but I don't see all the other teams. So, but I, I, you know, again, it's preseason power rankings. Take them for what they're worth. Uh, we'll see. We'll see where that all shakes out. Um, but yeah, sure, it's a good starting point for them. Uh, the Vegas Raiders at number twelve. Is it the Las Vegas Raiders? Are, are, one, are, are one of two NFL teams that we've already seen in action so far. So we'll see what happens. They beat the Jaguars uh, in the epic passion of the Hall of Fame game. Is it bad that I didn't even know the Hall of Fame game happened until after it happened? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, it happened in the I, I don't think anybody should be overreacting to that 27-11 uh, no. win over the Jaguars. But uh, anyway, they're at number 12. Uh, Trevor, Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, Trevor Lawrence didn't play. I mean, that's such a that they only play that game because you know it's just something to do when there people come to honor the people that are being inducted into the Hall of Fame. But um, I, I think the Vegas Raiders that could be a little bit low. They may end up. I know that AFC West is tough, um, maybe the best division in football. But uh, I think the Raiders they, they've got some time. I mean, they got Devontae Adams. They got the best receiver in the game. You know. Uh, Derek Carr's a decent enough quarterback. Um, you know, they have some good pieces on defense. You know, I think the Raiders are, are, are a little undersold here. I think they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the AFC West there. Well, let's move on to number 11, uh, my favorite topic. I mean, I don't think any team in the NFL can be more eager for, eager for week one than my Indianapolis Colts. Uh Anything to wash off the stink from last year's uh, week 18 uh, face plan against the, the the Jaguars for God's sake, the uh, Jaguars for God's sakes, and we we promptly escorted Carson Wentz to the nation's capital, but uh, that's neither yeah. here nor there. Uh, but I, I think that, you know, you know, Frank Reich uh, said in a local media conference at camp this week that he believes Ryan's arrival opens up a, a world of possibilities for the Indianapolis offense and. Uh, has a lot of confidence in, in Matt Ryan, as he should, uh, because, I mean, they, they're they putting a lot of stock on him, and he's getting a little bit old to say, hey, he's our franchise quarterback. We need somebody We need somebody in the captain's chair. And Right now, I like Matt Ryan. Like I said, he won the press conference. I want to see how he does in, in, a, in a Colts jersey, but I know he's got a good line behind him, and we've got some good defense lined up. I feel good about the Colts. I think they're right where they need to be. I don't need this power ranking. We'll see what happens uh, tonight when they play uh, Buffalo. Uh, but, uh, again, probably not going to see him. Might see him for a little bit more because he's new uh, to the playbook. But I don't think we're going to see a lot of Matt Ryan tonight. But Matt Ryan, I think, is somebody that I can get behind and get excited about for the Colts this year. What are your thoughts? Yeah, well, you know you have the running game with John Taylor, right? So, you know, now you mm-hmm. have the passing game. and. You know, that's a good place to start, a veteran like Ryan. And, you know, his receiver is Michael Pittman. You hope he keeps progressing. Um, you know, Paris Campbell has kind of been a disappointment. I think this is the final year of his rookie deal, so he needs to kind of show out. And then there's a rookie that I keep seeing a lot of, uh, you know, Twitter posts on this rookie, Alec Pierce. That uh, mm-hmm. I think he was a second-round pick for them. He, he looks pretty good, too. So, yeah, you know, they have some pieces. But, again, you're you're in that – AFC man where there's a lot of good teams and you know you just have to be playing the right you know the best football at the right time of the year and you know um, see how you're playing in November and December but 
you know, maybe this game against the Bills, and I think it's at 4 o'clock, Tom. Uh, you might want to oh, you might that be right. out on the NFL. Talk. It might, it yeah. probably is 4 o'clock. Yeah, I think it's 4 on the NFL Network. But, I mean, this could be – maybe this is an AFC championship preview. <laughs> you know, if you want to call it preseason game number I one. I think you might be right. Championship preview. It will. Yeah, you, I mean – Yeah, I think you might be right, yeah. Well, we've got just a few more minutes here, but uh, going into our top ten – of the of the taller ranks, let's talk about the Denver Broncos. For the first time since Peyton Manning rode off into the sunset, uh, the conclusion of Super Bowl 50, the Broncos have a legitimate franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. But wait, but wait, there's more, Ed. The receiving corps uh, took a hit last week uh, when fifth-year wide receiver Tim Patrick suffered a season-ending knee injury. So just when you think it's safe to get back into the water in Denver, it's not. What are your thoughts? <laughs> How yeah, they end up well, in the top I mean, ten? I don't know. Well, I mean, it's Russell Wilson. It's the Russell Wilson factor. That's it. Um, that's, for that's sure. It. But yeah, so I, you know, I don't know. I, I do know that you know the Eagles and Broncos were kind of talking a little bit about Jalen Rager's availability, the uh, receiver in Philly, to take Tim Patrick's place. But you know, Howie Roseman's asking for a lot there, and you know, hey, they might need Jalen Rager uh, at receiver. Uh, so I don't know how that's going to play out, but yeah, you know, uh, I love the running back they got in the draft last year, the Broncos too, uh, a kid from North Carolina who, whose name I can't remember, but, uh, really good running back that I can't remember. Uh, but he, he was from North Carolina last year. I like him. Uh, so yeah, I mean, they've got some good pieces. I, you know, again, maybe they're a little bit oversold because of Russell Wilson. We'll see. Talking with Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NASCAR contributor. As we mentioned earlier, he's part of the show's climax. We were going into overtime, <laughs> try to get through the rest of <laughs> so, so, uh, try to get through the rest of these these top ten in the in the power uh, power rankings. Again, it is what it is. It's it's what we got. It's a snack. It's an appetizer for what's to come. Uh, so the, the thing about it is we're doing we're getting our fantasy football teams together and. I'm going to be in three this this year, and you know, uh, one free one, which is the one here on the balance. I, I invite you every year, Ed. I mean, I save a special a special spot for you. Have you ever seen Talladega Nights, the movie? Oh, oh my and NASCAR. Yes, I have. Ah, oh, it's great. You know, at, at every just, race he leaves. Just watched it the other night. Yeah, just watched it. Yeah, the it's other a great night. movie. Even if you're yeah. not a race fan, it's it's a great movie. But every every race yeah. he leaves a set of tickets for his dad at the at the ticket yeah. booth. Every year, you you have a, you have a seat at the table here, but you always turn us down. No, I get it. I totally understand. I'm just just talking smack. So let's talk about the the Dallas Cowboys. Talk about talking smack. See see the segue. See what I did there. As always, yeah. Dallas Cowboys head into the the 2022 season with with Super Bowl or bust expectations. We're gonna get there again. We're America's team. Remember the days when you had the Cowboys and the Steelers going every year. Man, those days are coming back. Yeah, well, I don't know. There have been some big losses. <laughs> yeah, you got Amari Cooper uh, went to Cleveland. With Cooper gone, yep. you got third-year pro C.C. Lamb is now the love unquestioned. Him. Love him. Yeah. Uh, so we'll I see how. Uh, yeah, we'll see how big. Uh, big Mike McCarthy. Uh, he says they're ready for Week One, and you know they've got a lot of work to do. Uh, but as, as you mentioned, he's he's. He's he's a he's a he's a stud. Um, what are your thoughts overall? I know you love to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, but what what are your thoughts? <laughs> I, I love you know Dak Prescott's the best quarterback in the NFC East. 
um, you start right there. Um, you know, he kind of had a really good year last year was in the MVP conversation, but you know, you lose Amari Cooper over a hundred targets, but CD lamb, love that player. Um, you know, he's going to be a hundred and I mean, he might get 200 targets this year for all I know, but they have a good tight end in Dalton Schultz, who's playing on the franchise tag. I like him a lot. Um, they did lose some guys on the offensive line that could end up, you know, hurting them. Um, because I don't think Dak's really that good under pressure throwing the football. I mean, he's good at keeping plays alive, but um, that might hurt them. And then they lost Randy Gregory, who went to the Denver Broncos. Their, their pass rusher had quite a few sacks last year. But, you know, they still have Micah Parsons there. They drafted a kid in the second round, Sam Williams, who I liked a lot out of, I think it was Mississippi or Mississippi State. Um, you know, red flag with him, though, with, you know, some kind of off-the-field trouble. Um, but, you know, he's a good player. So, you know, maybe if these these draft picks, you know, step up like Sam Williams to help Micah Parsons, their defense will be okay. Um, you know, I, I think they're still going to be the team to beat in the NFC East. Um, the They won it last year. The NFC East hasn't had a repeat winner, which is crazy, since 2004 and 2005 when the Eagles did it. But since then, there's been a different champion each of those seasons after that, which is amazing. So, you know, if you look at the odds, the Cowboys are stacked against them to repeat. Uh, and I think the Eagles are probably the most ready team to, to, to take that title away from them. But I still like the Cowboys. I think they have a really good team. Moving over to the AFC, um, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, ravaged with injuries, are you still there, Ed? Can you hear me? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. Can you hear me? Something went funky in my ears, so I thought, okay, oh, no. What happened here? <laughs> but they got a decimated, uh, a decimated uh, running back corpse. Uh, you, you know, uh, Jackson, Lamar Jackson, he's coming into his uh, uh, final year of his rookie contract. They they traded out, number one, wide, uh, wide out Marquise Brown in the offseason, and doing little will replace him. I, I, I'm, I'm struggling to figure out how they managed to find their, themselves in the top ten in the power rankings. But overall, uh, the, the Baltimore Ravens have a lot of mess to clean up. Thoughts? Yeah. Well, again, it's a quarterback-driven league, and you know Lamar Jackson, they think is one of the best in the league when he's healthy. But you know the way he runs the football leaves him open to get hurt and you know of all the injuries they had last year losing him you know after three quarters of the season that just sunk the Ravens hopes they did nothing after Lamar Jackson went out so um you have to hope he stays healthy and he makes plays and again John Harbaugh is a very good coach um they have a very good personnel department they do have a very good roster um but you know again yeah I, I don't really see it you know they have to prove themselves after last year and they're, you know, they're one injury away at the quarterback spot from, you know, going probably in the tank again. So we'll, we'll see how it plays out. But, you know, uh, their roster is really good at other other positions. So if they stay healthy, yeah, they they could they could be a top ten team. I don't, you know, I don't know if they're ready to unseat the Bengals, but maybe. I mean, we'll see how that run the Bengals went on last year uh, affects them, whether or not they come <laughs> yeah, back. We know what happened there, more, don't we? Or, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, they could be the best team in that division. 
You know, growing up, my I spent time with my grandma, and my grandma always watched her soap operas and called them the, her stories. And you never bothered right. grandma when she was watching her stories. And and one of the s- stories she watched was As the World Turns. If we wish to equate that scenario with football, the Green Bay Packers would be the top leading soap opera uh, story uh, that is on network TV. Uh, one thing after another, they decide to tra- trade out Devontae Adams, added massive amounts of uncertainty, and, and then you've got the the diva of football right now, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's still leading the charge there. Um, the Packers have quite questioning a questioning uh, passing group. I mean, uh, I mean, you look at that between the Packers and the Vikings. I'm going to go with the Vikings all day long, but. I mean, still, here's another team that they're number seven, so they're in the top ten. So, Yeah, Aaron Rodgers has a way of elevating the, the receivers around him, though, right? I mean, they, they don't have a very recognizable pass-catching core now after Adams left. I think Marquez, Vald, what's his name? Marquez Valdez Scandling, something like that. I think he's mm-hmm. gone, too. So, uh, you know, we'll see how it all fills in on that. But that's a big concern, right? You know, the, the Packers have had the number one seed in the NFC playoffs the last two years. Um, I think they could be in line for a little step back just because, you know, they don't have the receiving core that they're used to having. And we'll see how Aaron Rodgers is able to adjust to that. Well, we've only got a few more minutes left here in the balance overtime, so we're not going to have time to go through every one of these teams individually. So I'm just going to name them off, and I'll just give you the hot seat and, and, you, and you pick apart. Uh, the last top six, it's the Chargers out of L.A., the Kansas City Chiefs, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Of course, it's the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Uh, number three, the Bengals. Uh, number two, the Bills. And number one, the Los Angeles Rams. I actually agree with this one with the Rams. But what are your thoughts between the Chargers and the Rams between one and six? Uh, L.A.'s got that, that Orioles sandwich going on between six and one. <laughs> Go ahead. Yeah. Yeah, the Chargers, they, they needed to address the defense. Uh, that The defense let them down last year, even though they have one of those Bosa guys playing on the on the edge there. They needed to address the defense. They lost their top tackler, Kaiser White. He signed here in Philadelphia. Had an interception against the Jets last night in his, like, four plays that he played. Um, but he's going to help Philadelphia. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Justin Herbert, to me, is, you know, he's top five quarterback in the league, and he's got good weapons to throw to. So, that's legit. I, I expect the Chargers to make the playoffs this year. Again, the AFC West, very, very tough uh, division. Um, you know, and the Rams, you can't argue with that. Super Bowl champs didn't lose a whole lot, right? Uh, you know, Matt Stafford has some elbow issue right now that there's some concern about, but I don't think that'll linger, uh, you know, too far into the season. Uh, so, yeah, that, that, that sounds legit. And the Chiefs are, you know, again, the Chiefs are, are the Chiefs. They lost Tyreek Hill, right? He went to Miami. Um so we'll see how they're able to compensate for losing him. I mean, that guy was, you know, he's really good. Uh, and then the Bengals, I, I don't know. I mean, you don't know, you know, losing teams that lose in the Super Bowl don't typically do as well the following season. So mm-hmm. you any know that team for a fact. Wish to drop. <laughs> yeah. As any team, any, uh, of any of those teams, I'd say the Bengals are, are the most poised team to, to drop a few spots when, you know, by the time things get rolling here with the season. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Fall Eagles and SA.com. Uh, what's on your schedule today? So are you going out to camp today? Uh, what's what's going on? I had a game last night, so everybody off today. 
That's right. Yeah, it's the day off after a game. They practice Sunday and then Tuesday and then Wednesday. I'm heading to Cleveland to uh, cover the uh, joint practices. The Eagles and Browns are practicing. It'll be kind of fun to watch Deshaun Watson and how he works and how he interacts with his teammates and such. But, uh, yeah, so I'll be in Cleveland Monday, uh, Wednesday through. I'm not I'm not staying for the game. I'm coming back for, for the game before the game. But the game's Sunday. I'm coming back Saturday. So, uh yeah, so I'll be going for a few days. But uh, today I'm just going to take it easy. It's a beautiful day here in Philadelphia, sun shining, low humidity. I'll, I'll probably write write some more stories off the game last night and, you know, put them up at uh, si.com backslash NFL backslash Eagles, and I'll tweet them out at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E. So, you know, just lay low, spend some time with my wife, just the kids. And, there you go. You know, and Rocky, the dog. And, and it was – yeah, it was Rocky's birthday Rocky. this, this week. I saw it was fourteen, a big fourteen. <laughs> fourteen was, years old. <laughs> that was a great pictures that you posted. I love that. My dogs, <laughs> yeah. your your dogs are way better than my dogs are the kind of dogs you don't want to take out in the public. You got that got the big lab <laughs> bloodhound mix, one hundred and seventy pounds of love, and uh, and then you have the beagle American foxhound mix, and then you have the boxer. Yeah. So we have. Uh, three re- relatively large sized dogs, and yeah, they're they're a they're a hot mess, and and they would not stand. I guarantee you, none of them would stand for having that hat on, uh, and they'd have the cake or ice cream, whatever it was you're giving them gone. You should see them when BarkBox arrives. I'm, I, I, do you do BarkBox? Do you know what that is? No, no, it's a dog thing. I'm gonna give them some free advertising. Basically, you sign up for it at the club, and each month they send you a theme, whatever it is. It's you know Star Wars or Halloween or whatever it is, uh, and it, there's like depending on how many. Like we do three different toys for three different dogs, and then they give you some treats and some different you know fun facts about your dogs, and, and it comes every every month. Well, they bark at the mailman every day. But they know when it's the bark box guy thing because that brings them up to the porch and they know the box and then they know the smell of the box and they jump up and they try to knock it out of my hands and then we got to pull them back and we, we get pictures of it every month and they the, the beagle and the and the and the lab bloodhound they fight over the three toys that are in there and the boxer just sits back and waits and then the boxer's smart enough hey. I'm waiting for the treats. So it's a whole ordeal. But yeah, it was it was yeah. fun to see those pictures of, of old Rocky. What kind of what kind of dog is Rocky? He's a, a Shih Tzu. Purebred Shih Tzu. Okay. Um Yeah, he's all of about twelve pounds, thirteen pounds. He's a little guy. Uh have you have you, you taken know, a picture with him by the have you taken a picture with him by the stairs in the statue? <laughs> <laughs> that's a good idea we should do that down there by the art museum yeah yeah, yeah. Good one. yeah but he's, that's one thing uh, I, you know, when, he's a purple when, when i get to philly that's one thing I, I one of my first stops i want to do is is do the well i say listen to me say i'm going to do those stairs i'm going up halfway and asking <laughs> for an air ambulance the rest of the way so but i i've always <laughs> i've always thought that yeah, would be a, a neat place to go see yeah, it, it, yeah, those steps are cool. It's a great view of the city when you get to the top. And the Art Museum is a great place to go in and visit, too, if you're into that kind of thing. We we went there uh, a couple of years ago, uh, maybe even sooner, coming out of the pandemic uh, when the, those things opened up again. We went down, and, you know, it's a nice, it's a nice right. day trip. And, but those stairs are, are tough, Tom. You, you really got to pace yourself on them. It's very misleading, <laughs> um, you know. 
I, in fact, I'd recommend, you know, maybe before you do it, do some jumping jacks, a couple push-ups, you know, get your, <laughs> you know, put on the Rocky music, dance, 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 there you, and, go. you know, fire yourself up, yeah. A, a couple of weeks ago, we were out at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, which is mammoth, mammoth, and yeah. I was from one side of that track to the other, and by the end of the day, I, I was just like, oh, my God, my dogs are hurting, <laughs> they're barking. Yeah, my brother. I know, man. Where can people find right, hey. masterpiece? Sir, have a good. Yeah, just hit me on Twitter at Kratzy K R A C Z E, or go right to my site. Lots of videos, wall to wall stories, and that's si dot com backslash NFL backslash Eagles, and you can find everything there. All right, buddy. We appreciate you. Have a good weekend. Hey, my pleasure, Tom. You too. Thank you. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, uh, joining us to break down the NFL camp is back, and uh, NFL uh, preseason is back, so it's just a matter of time until we get into the um, season, and be watching for the tweets about our uh, our fantasy football. Make sure you're following us on the Twitter, at T-Balance, and Facebook, uh, find us on The Balance. Thank you, uh, Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and burnoutsports.com, talking some racing with us and breaking down college football talk with Adam Jividan, super Browns fan and super duper uh, Ohio State fan. Uh, so my name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. I'm out of here, deuces. <laughs>